work is framed as a necessary burden, but we believe that it's work worth doing. This podcast is all about how to reframe equity work from just fighting injustice to building work that brings justice, meeting the needs of everyone. Work, work. Desmond Spann, aka the looks of light, getting right on the mic, teaching life with that work, work. The imaginer, genius awakener, educator in the art of contemplating work, work. Podcast for teachers in the class to focus on the heart of the craft. Work, work. Or refrain from the blame and the shame and the pain and disdain because we gain from that. Work, work. All right. Welcome back another episode of the worth work podcast i am desmond span getting this started solo today because this episode is the first of i don't know how many episodes that are focused on the portland association of teachers strike And at the time of this recording, it's day nine of the strike. I've been recording my reflections after each day. And I think in another episode, I might share snippets of them, if not in their entirety, of me as educator trying to process what's going on. And I saw Jesse, the Imaginer, the other co-host, the co-host of this podcast, when we were at a rally in the afternoon, and I saw him capturing sounds of just the rallies and the protests and the chants and the speeches. And it dawned on me probably the third or fourth day in. It's like, hey, why don't we do a podcast on what's happening right now? So because this is the first time this union has had a strike in Oregon history for PPS, there's like some history making. I know where the, it's like the first time we did it, that we've done this, that we went on a strike. I don't know if it's for this, for PPS, or if it's for Oregon. I'm not sure on that. I know it's at least for PPS, but I don't know if it goes beyond that. So because it's new and it's history making, it's like, yeah, this is probably be a good time to start bringing that, uh, the podcast back, at least for this time being. And then the other reason is... As I'm just, it's like personal. It's like, I just, I feel like I must. And not because there is a, I don't know, a mandate for me to speak on anything or somebody wants to hear my thoughts, but I'm discovering fundamentally one of the ways that I deal with uncertain times, thus fear and anxiety about the future is I'll talk to people. I will, I like really want to understand what's going on. And from this understanding and from these conversations, I'll have these insights and I'll share these insights or these thoughts or these questions in the conversation. And 
these conversations are filling, but then there's like a need or desire for me to do more. Like I'm not satiated just by the conversation anymore. And that, I don't know if that is how, how deep ends, if it's like, oh, I'm, you know, never satisfied because I wanted to be on a bigger stage, or if it's a matter of something within me guiding me to some part of the path that I'm walking and doing this work. But either way, I'm at this point where I need to just kind of start sharing these thoughts and these ideas and these questions in the inst of creating the conditions for social justice. And because I think that's ultimately what the strike is about. It's it's a it's a point. It's like we went past the tipping point. And now we're saying there's things have to change externally. And so that's what we're, we're pushing for in the strike. So in this kind of kickoff episode, I'm, I'm not trying to make it too long, but because it's all happening now and with the prior episodes, we made a plan, we had our discussions, we edited edited the audio down and put our our spins on it, had a theme. This one's gonna be a little bit more raw, focusing on just sharing reflections, sharing conversations. Me and Jesse will have our conversations. We had some today that we didn't record because we were planning it out. We might even get like interviews with people other educators and hearing their thoughts and their insights. So it's going to be a real kind of freestyle creative process of just trying to capture what's happening and what folks are thinking during these times. Cause it's, there's a lot of shock, at least for the people that I've talked to about it. It's going into the third week. It's day nine and we're into the third week of the strike and there's this hope that it might resolve this week. Like like we'll be somewhat working our way back into the building, but we still seem very far apart. So we're going to capture that. Like I said, it's going to be raw. It's going to be like the way I'm recording it now. It's not my usual studio setup. I'm just using my laptop mic, hoping that's good enough. I will do my best to clip it down, keep my lengthy pauses to a minimum. So do some light editing on the pauses. But really just going for good enough to get it out there, but not standard of excellence that I usually like to have when I do these things. So hopefully you'll forgive me for that. I thought this was just going to be an episode of like, hey, we're bringing it back. We're going to talk about the strikes. We're going to share insights, conversations, reflections, and just kind of capture it as it happens. But this is how fresh this stuff is. So prior to starting this recording, I get an email from... Portland Public Schools from the leave department entitled intermittent slash reduced schedule leave 
of absence communication respond by November 15th, 2023. So in the email, it says complete this form by the end of day, Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. If we do not hear from you, that is not a problem. We will assume that you are choosing to continue your leave of absence and will continue to administer pay and benefits as though you were on uh, on leave of absence. So I click the link and I'm looking at the form. And I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what it what it says, but it's basically put in my information and then there's two choices I'm making. So if I'm going to continue my intermittent reduced schedule leave, then let's see, your pre-approved leave of absence will continue as scheduled. Your protected leave entitlement will apply to all leave related to absences and PPS will administer your pay and benefits as though you are on leave. When utilizing intermittent leave, all leave related absences must be reported to FEMA source. If your leave of absence concludes during the strike, you may complete the change strike designation form. So I, that's one choice, which kind of sounds like if I choose to continue my leave, then I'm changing my strike designation going from striking as a PAT member to going back to work. But then there's another one that says postpone your intermittent or reduced schedule leave of absence and begin striking. So your protected leave entitlement will not be applied and PPS will adjust your pay and benefits accordingly to postpone and to resume your reduced schedule leave of absence. You will need to contact from a source to standard to update your leave request to complete the change strike designation form. So if you are utilizing intermittent leave during the strike, it is not necessary to postpone your intermittent leave. You would simply not report absences as you are not missing work due to your leave reason. So here's my issue with this. Like this is fairly dense language. It's a big decision. And I get this email Looks like it was sent at 1.17 p.m. on the 14th. So I have less than, well, I guess, maybe, I guess, end of the day. So just maybe a little bit over 24 hours to make this decision. Now, I didn't read it at 1.17 p.m. because, you know, I was out and about not checking my email like that. So ultimately reading it. Now it's about 24 hours to make a very complicated decision. And so I know this is where it's like, in good faith, this could have been sent out earlier. But the fact that it was sent out 24 hours before you're asking for a decision is, feels tactical, feels like use, this is a tactic to divide. And that's how it's landing. Now, whether that was the intention or not, I don't know because I'm not in those rooms to decide those things. And to keep my sanity, I still assume 
I make generous assumptions of other people until it's clear that things are happening. Otherwise, this is one of those signs that points me into a direction of like, okay, something is not right. Because this could have been communicated much earlier to where folks could take time to really assess like what's the best decision, right? Now I get it. It's not necessarily in the interest of PPS as who were striking against at the district level to maybe consider that. But I think that's the kind of this overall thing that's happening is like, we're set up in a scenario of PAT versus PPS and us versus them scenario. And really, I want us to be in a position where it's like, we and we may have different strategies, but we're all trying to do what we think is best for students. Like that's where I would like us to be. And whether as an institution versus individuals, it's hard to know where people lie within that, how close they are to feeling like their intentions are really aligned with students' best interest. And then how much have they done the work to really assess out like their own personal interests and how that creeps into the decisions, what they make and what they propose, I don't know. But this right here is just kind of an example of like, of a communication with not enough time to really assess like, I mean, the language is like, it's straightforward language, but it's dense, right? Like there's a form, there's a link that takes me to a form and then within that form, there's another link that takes me to another form. And it's just, it's, it's not clear. And you send it 24 hours before you want the response back. Knowing that it's, and, and, and how unclear that it is, it feels, somebody made that decision and in making that decision, like the most generous is like, ah, you didn't know what you're doing. But at this point, at day nine in the strike, it's like, okay, somebody knows what they're doing. Somebody understands like how tactical um, to how to create trying to create cracks and divides in it. And that's, and in my view, operating this way is going, is just short term. Because if this doesn't resolve in a way that he feels like they, they and we have won something, if it feel if it resolves in a way it's like well we just kind of gave up and gave in then there's just going to be a there's going to be a, a next level consequence of i think of it i think of it like this like we are striking as teachers to get the conditions we need to prevent and reverse 
a teaching shortage. Because if the conditions don't change, then me speaking personally, I could say like, so the whole reason I'm even getting this email is because I'm going to leave this year basically teaching half time. So I just teach eight days. And when one of my reflections I just listened to, like day one, it's like, it's the conditions that I'm teaching in that's that makes it hard to do it full time. So if those conditions aren't changing, even after a strike, it's hard to see myself signing back up for full-time teaching in PPS again. And then I imagine that there are other folks who would feel like that as well, combined with just the psychological and emotional impact of a strike not delivering what we intended to deliver. And I think it's short-sighted on the district to use these kind of communication tactics to create that division. Because even if you win in this way, there's going to be, if you were to win in this way, where it's like, yes, you forced PAT to agree to something less than what we're asking for, what we need, then there's going to be I feel my prediction would be it's just an exodus from the district. I usually sit with this stuff a lot longer than I'm doing. So the vulnerability hangover and like, ah, maybe I'm saying too much. But at this point, uh, you got to do what you got to do. Got to say what you got to say. Speaking your truth to power. I think that's what courage is all about. That's what this work is about is just being willing to say what you believe to be true, even if there's a chance it might not be true or you might be wrong. And I think I could be wrong. I could be not seeing it fully. I mean, I know I'm not seeing it fully because I'm only one perspective on it. Um, so I invite anybody who can offer another perspective to broaden mine. I would love that because I would like to, that's what I seek is to, to have more of a, more clarity on uh, situations like this, but I can't wait until I have that elusive 100, excuse me, not 100, 360 degree view, 100% clarity before I speak. Cause I think that is unattainable, right? It's perfectionism. And I think part of me even getting clarity on this stuff is putting out these ideas and seeing what the response is to know if like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's an, that was an oversight or that's what or you should include. And But I think that's what this work is about is testing ideas to strengthen the ones that can really benefit the group, the benefit the whole. And dismissing the ideas that don't meet those standards, even if they're, you know, I guess, feed our, uh, our ego, maybe. So 
Anyway, Worth the Work podcast. Uh, no freestyle on this one just because, like I said, it's raw. It's kind of happening as we go. Maybe in the future, me and Jesse will uh, wrap up with some bars. But until next time, genius over doubt. And um, I'll see y'all and hear y'all in the next one. Deuces.